This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. And good morning, golf fans. Welcome inside another edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully and Bob Weeks along with you. We're on TSN 1050 until noon today. You can also watch us on TSN 2 as we'll be on radio, on TV this week, next week, and the following week as we recap the FedEx Cup playoffs fun to be here back in studio on tv mark will be along in about half an hour he is going through the traveling circus right now it seems like he's everywhere he was with pj tour radio at the fedex st jude uh, championship saw quite a finish yesterday as well so we'll be joined by mark zacchino a little later in the show we'll also be joined bob by bill price who I spoke to him recently about the high toe three wedges from TaylorMade, and we'll be giving away a couple of those later tonight on 20 weeks of TaylorMade too. So lots going on in the world of golf. But for you, Bob, did you get any golf in this weekend? I did. I got a chance to play uh, up in cottage country. I was a uh, guest of some friends. We were up at a cottage, so we played at Muskoka Highlands. Beautiful course. I'm going to use part of that course in my winner's weird and what coming up a little bit later on today. But uh, yeah, it was nice. How about you? I did. I got a couple of rounds in. Nice that, you know, last weekend it was hot. It was steamy. But this was, you know, 25, 26 degrees Celsius. Not much humidity. The wind was up. It was a beautiful weekend for golf. And I noticed, too, and I'm sure you'll get to this in your three-dub as well. You posted a social media photo with a dog. And uh, so was, uh, do you have a caddy? Was, was your dog or a dog a caddy? <laughs> no, we had a dog that just walked around. There's dog, it's dog friendly. There's lots of dogs on the golf course. This will be, as you say, a little bit later on. I won't yeah. spoil it all. But, yeah, no, it's, um, it's a really cool cottage country course. Good shape. Greens were really, really good shape. Mm-hmm. And um, and fun to play and and I uh, had a great time up there. But yeah, dogs walk. Dogs play for free. Dogs play for free. Okay, I'm actually heading to Muskoka a little later this week too. And gonna get out at Deerhurst. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting to cottage cottage country. But uh, so much to get to in our show today. Winners weird and what a little later in the show. Like I mentioned, 20 weeks of tailor made. But first, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. Okay, Bob, we'll get to the first leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs momentarily. Will Zalatoris finally getting off the schneid, getting that first career PGA Tour victory. But first, some Canadian content. Monet Chun at Chambers Bay, the U.S. Women's Amateur, comes up just short, losing in the final to Saki Baba, who had... A remarkable performance, winning 11-9 and nine in a 36-hole championship final. But how about the performance by Canadian Monet Chun making it this far to the final of the U.S. Women's Amateur? And, yes, despite the blowout in the final, she was very impressive throughout the, the whole run here. She, in fact, I think going into that final, I don't think she'd gone to the, she'd only gone once past the 16th hole, and that was in a playoff, I think, in the semifinals, mm-hmm. uh, where she went to an extra hole to win. But she was playing great golf, very steady golf, just kind of wear people down. And then, unfortunately, in the final, the wheels kind of came off. And uh, that was sad to see. But still, uh, she gets some, a few benefits. She gets a spot in next year's U.S. Women's Open 
for finishing as runner-up, which is great. And she's had a heck of a summer. She won the uh, Big Ten Championship. She plays for University of Michigan. She also won the Canadian Women's Amateur just a little uh, few weeks ago back at um, the at uh, uh, Westmount Golf yes. Club. So she's had a really good performance. Congratulations to making it to the final. Only the fourth Canadian ever get there. The other three are pretty good quality, too. It's uh, Marlene Street, Kathy Shirk, and Brooke Anderson. And does she get into the CP Women's Open, too? She does season? get into the CP Women's Open. She'll be there next week. And I guess she would have gotten that, actually, from winning the, the, the Canadian Amateur. That's right. right. Okay. So, pretty, I mean, what a performance this was. And, you know, like you mentioned, she's had a very good summer, too. And I'm guessing she'll take tons of confidence heading into the CP Women's Open, which I know will be, you'll be there. It'll be headlined by Brooke Henderson. There, The crowds are going to be unbelievable. Can't wait to see that. But Monet Chun's going to go in with a lot of momentum. She is, and I think the one thing to remember about Monet is about uh, a couple of years ago, she basically pulled herself out of competitive golf. She was still trying to figure out golf, uh, but she just stayed at home, worked on her swing, kind of re- rebuilt herself as a golfer, and then went off to the University of Michigan, and uh, the rest, as we said, is just quite a... Quite a uh, string of successes she's had since that happened totally and they were playing at chambers bay now chambers bay to a lot of people in the golf world now recent memory of course will think back to that 2015 u.s open where there was a lot going on that was the first time fox had the coverage they were trying some new things their scoreboard wasn't working on you know watching it on tv and they they lost the greens the, the usga they lost the greens billy horses said it was putting on broccoli there's a lot of you know sort of guys making fun of these greens you were there in person back in 2015 having seen some of the coverage this past weekend compare and contrast to what it was seven years ago this looked like a totally different property yeah well they redid all the greens yeah. and they've uh, changed a few a uh, few other of the holes actually made it a little bit different, but it's still the same kind of uh, basic layout. And it's a beautiful piece of property. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. It kind of rises up to a, a top level and then comes back down. Remember they had the one hole that, that they switched it up? One day it was a par four, 18. the next day it was a yeah. par five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also remember that was the day when, that was the uh, the tournament where Jason Day had the vertigo. Yes, and he was, the Friday afternoon. Yeah, very strange scenario. I remember walking around with him. And he kept, he, after he hit, he kept back, bending down to pick up his tee. And I kept saying, who cares about your tee? Just to have 18 tees or, or get your caddy to pick it up. Every time he bent over, he'd just stand up and he'd wobble around. And, um, and I do remember another press conference, too, where um, the greens had actually turned almost white. Yeah. And so, so somebody said to Henrik Stenson, is it like putting on, on broccoli? And he said, no, it's, uh, it's white, so it's more like cauliflower. <laughs> so, just the weird things that stand out in my memory from that tournament. Well, and if that tournament as well will always be remembered by Jordan Spieth winning the his second straight major and Dustin Johnson giving that away. And, and during that time when, when DJ three-putted from 10 feet, when he had a great chance to make that eagle with, to, uh, on the 72nd hole, and that was back when the U.S. Open was still an 18-hole playoff on the Monday. And I'm sure you know everyone watching, myself included, selfishly on, on TV, was hoping for that 18th-hole playoff. Everyone in the media was like, no, 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 <laughs> no we want to go home. That's right. We, uh, we did have that. Uh, we were all kind of praying for something to, to break that we wouldn't get that. I've been to a... a an 18-hole playoff years ago, and uh, it was uh, it was the wildest sort of everyone scrambling to rebook their flights, re- 
check into their hotel rooms for one more night and everything. It was uh, it was quite the uh, the scramble to do it. And for the tournament itself, unselfishly, and I'm talking selfishly about us and the media, but you know you have to get all your volunteers, you have to keep everybody around, you have to delay the teardown. It's a huge task. So they've done a good job by changing it now. Would that have been the one at 08 at Torrey Pines? Were you at that one? Uh, I was at that one yeah. as well. I forgot about that one. Actually, was that well, that one? And I was at one with uh, Ratif. Goosen oh, and ni- oh, when night when Monty the- wore all black and it was like 100 degrees Fahrenheit. No, no, this one okay. was at um, Oklahoma. No. Uh, Tulsa, where were we? Just, yeah. Yeah. Southern Hills? Southern Hills. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. It was uh, okay. Ratif Goosen won that one. There you go. Well, uh, I mean, Chambers Bay looked great on TV again. Congrats to Monet Chun. Uh, it's been a remarkable summer of Canadian golf, and hopefully that'll continue here on the men's side. The women's, I'm Brooke Henderson, I mean, historic, incredible golf. Monet Chun doing what she has done, and maybe we'll see the men now step it up here. We have four Canadians heading into the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. We'll get into the Canadians on the other side, but first we have to talk about Will Zalatoris because this is a guy who already has three runner-ups in the major championships, played a lot of great golf, and he finally gets it done, finally gets off the schneid. And for a guy who has been one of the great ball strikers on tour, the putter has always been the question mark. We've seen the close-up video of that stroke from inside three feet, and there's a lot of movement. It's not, like not common. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it might give you the heebie-jeebies watching it, but it works for him. And coming down the stretch, he made a lot of clutch putts. He did. Most of the time it works for him. We won't say all the time. Yes. Most of the time it works for him. But it is a funky little loop that it comes back outside and brings it back. And uh, a lot of times when you see the close-ups, he's not really hitting the ball in the center of the club oh, face. It's like it's, the toe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but third playoff this year. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. to get it done finally and, and win, uh, I think it's huge. And you could see the... Um, the pain, the relief flowing out of him, the few tears there. He was hugging his girlfriend on the uh, on the playoff green. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was kind of a cool, cool finish to it. It was a weird finish. It was a dramatic playoff. It was ups and downs, um, but that uh, that, that final hole was just unbelievable what happened well it really was and so for those who didn't see the third playoff hole a part three which off the, i was almost going to make this a part of my three dub because at the start of it so they went uh they played the 18th hole twice which i mean they, they both made unbelievable pars sep straka and zalatoris on the second playoff hole after they uh straka hit it on the left side took a drop after he was standing in the water zalatoris hits the cart path on the right was lucky to be in bounds they yeah. both make these unbelievable pars then they go to this par 3 11th and there's no one around this must have been very far away from the from the 18th green i mean eventually the the, the uh, spectator showed up and it was packed by the end of it but this is what 160 yard par 3 Zalatoris hits this tee shot that lands on the on the slope just in front of the green, bounces on essentially like a, a wooden partition, if you will, a couple of times. Easily could have goes easily could have gone to the water. Easily. And then sort of lands short and it's in this little nook where the ball could go anywhere from there. And Sepp Strachey, you think, okay, 35 feet long left. No. Yeah. <laughs> right in the water, lands short, bounces back in. And then, and then Straka from the drop zone hits it into the back bunker. Not the best shot. But for Zalatoris, what did you think of the decision to not play it from that sort of weird spot where he could have hit it anywhere from there, correct? That's what I think. I think that there was really almost no shot there, to be perfectly honest with you. I think he made the right move, and it makes it a little easier after Zal- uh, Straka has put it in the water. But I think you're, 
you're bang on. I mean, that was just a big, big... I mean, if he had to do it, if Straka had knocked it on there, I'm sure he would have tried to play mm -hmm. it out of there. Um, but I just don't think that there was any real shot there, almost, to totally. be perfectly honest. It was wedged down, down below. Very deep, yeah. Yeah, and he could have, like, scooted across if he tried to sort of punch it out or something. You never know how it's going to come out of there, but... Um, I've never seen a ball bounce that way. When I hit it like that, and the ball bounces on those areas close to the water, they always go in. They never stay out and yeah. dry, but good for him. Yeah, really good for him. And how about the caddy, too? First week on yeah. the bags, Alatoris and his longtime caddy split up. They said, you know, time had just run out. It was, it was getting into their friendship, everything going on in the golf course. And first week on the bag to... And, and you could tell he was in Zalatoris' ear about, hey, you know, Straka's here. Let's go back. You just got up and down on the whole previous from 94 yards. Yeah. Let's do it again. And what does Zalatoris do? He does it again. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch. Zalatoris now moves to first in the FedEx Cup standings. And it's funny to see, if you look, the uh, Zalatoris and Scheffler, if you look, uh, a good friend of ours, Case of the Golf, uh, Monday qualifying guy, he goes out, and if you look, he posted a thing from four years ago, Will Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler, who are right now one and two in the uh, FedEx Cup standings, both missing a Monday qualifier on the Corn Ferry Tour four years ago. Now look at those two guys. And before Incredible. we go to break here, you mentioned they're one and two. Zalatoris moves to first in the FedEx Cup standings. And I know the points quadruple for the playoffs, but... <laughs> Is it still kind of weird that Zalatoris has one win and he's leading the FedEx Cup standings and Scotty Scheffler has four and he's in second? Yeah, if you look at the combination of Zalatoris' runner-ups, though, as well, yeah. putting those things in, and don't forget, it's not dollar value. We're talking it's FedEx Cup points. So there yeah. is a little bit of a gap there, obviously, but not quite as much as there is in the paycheck. So, yeah, probably a little bit, but they're, they're not off by much, right? There's th the Zalatoris has 36.80 in points and Scheffler's got 35.56. Cam Smith is is third. He's he's almost a thousand points behind Scheffler. Mm -hmm. So they're way back there. So it's nose and nose at this point. But you're right. They both had good years. Just shows you. They both had good years. And Scotty Scheffler did miss the cut last week along with Rory McIlroy. That's why Scheffler didn't have any points last week. But the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs gets underway this week. On the other side, we'll hear from Zalatoris the relief after that victory. And we'll look at the Canadians, four in the mix, heading into the second leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks here in studio. TSN 1050. You can also watch us on TSN 2. We are radio on television this week, next week, and the following week as we recap each of the three legs of the FedEx Cup playoffs. And in the first leg at the FedEx St. Jude Championship, Will Zalatoris win number one. A long time coming for Will Zalatoris. You could tell too, Bob, especially after he made that putt in regular on the 18th hole said something along the lines where he could read his lips what are they going to say what are they gonna say now is what he screamed so you could tell he's been thinking about this and maybe taking some of the 
negativity perhaps from the, from the media has been speaking about how he hasn't been able to get it done to finally get over the finish line. Yeah, I think that uh, he's probably listened to that. Listen, he's probably seen the replay slow motion of his putting uh, stroke. And he's probably looked at the leaderboard time and time again and saw his name and, you know, people now questioning him and maybe the backhanded compliment of the best player not to win a tournament this year. That all kind of feeds into it, and I'm sure drives him a little bit. I, I can remember watching him at the Masters one year, maybe two years ago, he played with Corey yeah. Connors, and I just loved the way he was so excited to go and hit the next shot. Like, he just loves to play golf, and I hope he doesn't lose that part, um, but I think, judging by what we saw on the emotion side, he's still very committed to um, the enjoyment of the game and, and just having so much fun and realizing his dreams. Totally, and he moves to number one in the FedEx Cup standings. A big pot of gold on the line after the Tour Championship. Before we further discuss and recap the FedEx St. Jude Championship, let's hear from Will Zalatoris. Yeah, um, it's kind of hard to say about time when it's been your second year on tour, but um, about time. Um, Obviously, uh, this week was kind of a grind considering the start that I had. Uh, I love this golf course. I played well here last year. Um, yeah, considering all the close uh, close finishes that I've had this year, um, to finally pull it off, is uh, it means a lot. Definitely means a lot. And before we talk about some other players, I have to mention this tweet from Tony Finau, one of the nicest guys in the PGA Tour, who is the hottest player on tour heading into last week's finish. And he had another, or next week, last week's tournament, I should say, had a great finish as well. He tweeted out, Congrats, Will Zalatoris. His resilience is a testament to his character. And now he's a winner. He's been a rock solid dude through all the noise. And I have so much respect for him because of that. Now watch him go. Bravo, dude. How about that from Tony Fino? The camaraderie between these guys is awesome. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's uh, as we were saying before the break, you know, it's, it's been a short, quick rise for Will Zalatoris from missing Monday qualifiers on the Corn Ferry Tour to now winning on the PGA Tour in a playoff event, no, no less. And the summer he's had, really the last couple of years he's had, has been absolutely spectacular. But I think you're right. That one missing ingredient of that win, now he can finally put that to rest and probably not have to think about it. I'm sure you, is, when you get yourself in the hunt, you're probably sitting there going, is this the week? Is this the one when it's finally going to happen? And even though it was uh, accomplished in a very strange and unusual playoff uh, with back and forth and some strange uh, shots, it was, uh, it's a win and a win is a win. A win is a win. Congratulations to Will Zalatoris. Great play as well by Sepp Straka. Four rounds in the 60s. But one of the biggest movers, or the biggest mover, was Lucas Glover, and, and that's a, that is a cool thing about these FedEx Cup playoffs is that, you know, this is a guy who hasn't had his best year by, by any means, but he moves 87 spots up the FedEx Cup standings to now uh, he finished tied for third. Now he's sitting 34th, and that's a good chance to make it to the Tour Championship. Lucas Glover is another guy who has played some great golf, but not so much lately, but this past year has been pretty good for him, pretty solid season. He won, of course, that U.S. Open at uh, Wingfoot a number of years ago, and he's just a... Just a really solid guy. I, uh, I have a lot of time for Lucas. I've got to know him when he came up into uh, Canada and played a skins game a number of years ago when we've, uh, we've had some great chats over the years. And I like the way he approaches the game. Very relaxed on the outside at least, but he's kind of churning on the inside. And nice to see him put, uh, put a nice round together and get himself uh, into the next round. Yeah, he played very well on Sunday and throughout the weekend. 69-66 uh, on the weekend for Lucas Glover. But we mentioned in our last segment two very notable players to miss the cut. Rory McIlroy, who is now ninth 
down three spots in the FedEx Cup standings, and Scotty Scheffler, who down one spot to number two. You had Rory McIlroy on your edge team last week, so I know you didn't love to see him missing the cut. <laughs> but, I mean, unexpected surprise given maybe the, the letdown from the Open Championship. And then he full-out said last week in his press conference that he didn't, see, he didn't touch a golf club, didn't see the inside of a gym, and didn't eat a vegetable for two weeks. He took some time <laughs> off. So if I'd known that, perhaps I might have picked someone a little <laughs> bit different. But I do think that he, it was a surprise. And I think even for him, I think it was a surprise to miss the cup. Maybe not, to be, not that he wasn't in contention, but to really... Um, and he just looked... He looked rusty, you know. Yep. When you saw him play, there were some just some key shots that were missed. He had a couple of, um, if he had a couple of bit more putts drop in, there were some close ones here and there. But I just thought he was. I didn't think he was terrible from what I saw. I just thought he was kind of blasé almost. A little flat too. And I was actually writing the highlights for uh, the golf, uh, the PGA on Friday, and it was all about Rory. You know, if Rory McIlroy misses a cut, he misses a cut, and. For a little bit, so he, he makes bogey on his last hole to finish at one under. And at that point, it looked like no chance he's making the cut. And then it got pretty challenging for a two-hour span, and the cut almost looked like it was going to drop to one under. And then Scotty Scheffler didn't do himself any good as well. He hit it into the water on his ninth hole, making a double bogey. Had a good run down the stretch, but both players missing the cut. But both players, Scheffler and McElroy, still in the top Ten, but on from a Canadian side of things, we have four Canadians in the next leg of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Corey Connors at twenty nine, Mackenzie Hughes fifty second, Adam Hadwin fifty ninth, Taylor Pendrith at sixty seven. So clearly, Corey Connors has the best chance to make the Tour Championship. But it's great to see four Canadians make it this far, and all of a legitimate chance to make it to the to the Tour Championship. Yeah, we had six that started off. And that's the record, and I'm. Confident in saying that this is probably, I haven't checked it, but I'm pretty confident in saying yeah. that we've probably have, this is probably equal to or the record for the uh, second to last because there used to be four. Now there's only three playoff events. Uh, and it's great to see these guys playing some decent golf. Now they all didn't play great, but I, th- I thought it was nice to see Mac Hughes, who was playing his first tournament after being reunited with his lost golf equipment the, from the Open Championship, uh, put up some good numbers. And Taylor Pendrith, again, is a guy, you know, he's, he could do a Lucas Glover this week. He's one of those guys who could just go out there and find his groove and, uh, and go deep and perhaps get himself up the leaderboard and move on. It's going to be tough for these guys, other than Corey, to try and make it to the, to the final at Eastlake. But you never know. There's always the math involved. And for these guys, you know, Pendrith at 67, Hadwin 59, Hughes 52nd, top 30, make it to the Tour Championship. You would think they'll need... At least, you know, for Pendrith, he'll need probably, you'd think, a top five finish and, and some help, probably, too, right? Probably, yeah. Probably maybe even top three, but mm-hmm. he'd, need to, he'd need a big week, obviously, to try and jump up there. Um, even the other guys, you even had one at 59, you know, and Hughes is at 52, so they're not really, uh, they've, they've got a lot of ground to make up, and you really have to put something special together. But they, as they say, there's a chance. And Mackenzie Hughes, is he's been here before. He's done this before, that 2020 BMW Championship, which turned into the U.S. Open. It was <laughs> incredibly right. challenging. And as, as Hughes put it himself, the, the gnarly up and down he had to make after you know hitting a great tee shot into this fairway on his 72nd hole, he knew exactly where he stood. And then he just dumped a wedge into the front right bunker, got it up and down. We know what the accolades, are, the everything that comes when you uh, make the tour championship so motivation will be high not only to make the tour championship 
but for the President's Cup as well. We'll discuss the International President's Cup team rankings later on in the show. As of right now, Corey Connors is at number six. Top six automatic qualifiers, of course. Adam Hadwin is at 11. Mackenzie Hughes at 13. Taylor Pendrith all the way to 20th now on the International yeah. President's Cup standing. So you never know. It'd be incredible <laughs> to see four Canadians make it. I don't, chances aren't amazing for that, but, you know, you, you can hope, you can pray. That'd be, that'd be incredible. But uh, good for the Canadians making it this far. Four in the mix this week at the BMW Championship. On the other side, Mark Sacchino will join us to recap the FedEx St. Jude Championship. He was there on location for PGA Tour Radio, and he also he sent me a text. He, want, he wants to tell a story where uh, he fell out of Roger Maltby's golf cart. Uh -oh. I'm uh, looking <laughs> forward to hearing one. about this. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure what's going to come of it, but we'll hear that story and much more on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by TaylorMade, was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks here in studio recapping the FedEx St. Jude Championship, FedEx Cup playoffs, and much more uh, coming up a little later in the show as well. We'll take a look at the President's Cup standing because that's just around the corner too. Love team events. Of course, the last time the President's Cup was held in, uh, in Australia, Royal Melbourne, the internationals gave the U.S. quite a scare where Tiger Woods was the playing captain. And that was, of course, the year he won the Masters and won the Zozo Championship that year, too. And he put on an absolute clinic winning that turn or helping the U.S. win. And that was uh, so much fun to see. So we'll talk about the President's Cup a little later in the show because a number of Canadians have a, a good chance uh, to be on that squad, at least one and hopefully two or three. But Will Zalatoris did take home his first career PGA Tour victory. And to discuss that and much more, now joining us is Mark Sacchino, who is, uh, was on location at PGA for PGA Tour Radio, the FedEx St. Jude Championship, and is uh, on the road again. Mark, first of all, welcome to the show. And where are you right now in the world? I am near Louisville, Kentucky, oh. trying to make my way home. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, oh. you, yeah. There you three go. Three weeks in a row, Scully. Three weeks in a row has kicked my butt. Uh, it's, uh, listen, if it was the West Coast swing and we were kicking off a new year, I mean, I did, I think, five or six in a row earlier this year. But at the end of the year, the FedEx Cup, it's been a long season and three in a row is a lot. But I'm glad to be headed home. It was an amazing week in Memphis, just absolutely incredible. And, uh, but thanks for holding down the floor and I'll be back in with you guys next week and, take this season home and hand out a FedEx Cup in a few weeks. Well, and as of right now, Will Zalatoris is the favorite at number one in the FedEx Cup standings to take it home. Given the summer he's had, given the start of his PGA Tour career that he's had, this is a long time coming for Zalatoris as he was arguably the best player not to have a PGA Tour victory. What were some of your takeaways from that victory yesterday? 
Well, I think you could tell, you know, I think what did he say when he made one of those real huge 10-footers on the 18th green? I think he looked back and he screamed at his caddy, what are they going to say now? And I think he's referring to, um, you know, the narrative on his putting, that he doesn't putt good enough to win. He's got to be a better putter. And, and boy, did he hit some clutch pots coming down the stretch to, to grab this win. So, I mean, if it wasn't Will Zalatoris, it was Will Zalatoris and, and Cameron Young as the two best players on tour without a victory. And now uh, Cameron Young, in my opinion, just kind of stands alone there by himself because Zalatoris, obviously a huge win too. To do it in the playoffs, to do it in that environment, so much on the line, um, it, it was a lot. It was exceptional. Um, I mean, they hit so many clutch shots coming down the stretch and in the first two playoff holes. I was so shocked, Scully, at the tee balls at 11. I mean, even especially Strakas. You've got, you know, you, you've got Zalatoris. He's inside the hazard. He's inside the penalty area. You don't know what he's got. Ends up that he had to go back to the drop zone, just like you did. How do you hit that golf ball right of the flag at 11 if you're Seb Strakas? That, that golf ball has to be 20, 30 feet left of that flag two putt for the win. I mean, other than that one mental error from Sepp Straka, and maybe the fatigue got to him. It was getting to everybody out there, including the broadcast teams. Um, it was hot. Uh, it was a long week. You wonder if fatigue was starting to set in and if he just had a mental lapse. Uh, I, I don't think it was nerves. I really don't with Straka because – if there was nerves that were going to come into play, it would have come into play in the second playoff hole where he had to take a drop, considered taking off his shoes, didn't do it, stuffed it in there to seven feet, made a par when he needed to extend it. So I don't believe it was nerves. I, I believe the fatigue got to Straka. But at the end of the day, from a Zalator standpoint, uh, I wonder if this is a bit of a David Duvall scenario. You know, you remember back, I believe the year was 99 off the top of my head. And... David Duvall had a string of second-place finishes, top fives, top tens, and, and he was he was the Will Zalatoris of the PGA Tour. And all of a sudden, he got his first win. And he got the first win. Next thing you know, you know the door caved in, and he was number one in the world. And, and you wonder if, if this is what's coming for Zalatoris. You know, should he be the favorite this week as we head to the BMW? Uh, Mark, two guys at the top of the FedEx Cup standings now, Will Zalatoris, Scotty Scheffler. I'm not sure if you saw the tweet by a case of the golf Monday qualifying. Uh, our friend Ryan, he posted up that four years ago this week, Zalatoris, and, or two weeks ago, I guess, Zalatoris and Scheffler both missed a Monday qualifier at, on the, on the, uh, the Corn Ferry Tour. These guys have come so far so quickly. How impressive is it to see these two guys who are one and two in the FedEx Cup standings you know, having it, I guess it kind of shows you how thin the margin is between making it and, and not quite making it and now making it and winning. It's, it's the lines, like the fractions are unbelievable. Like even last week when we were watching that top 125 at Sedgefield Country Club and, you know, someone's going to miss the playoffs by point zero zero five. I'm like, hold on a second. We just played, what, 44, 45 events season with four majors of players, uh, Canadian Open, Scottish Open, all these great events. 
and you're telling me your season has come down to a fraction of maybe one four-footer that you that you might have missed six weeks ago? I mean, it, it's crazy to think that way, but it's that fine. But, Bob, I think, to your point, you know, you and I, I guess it would have been five, six years ago, seven years ago, we probably sat around that same desk and we said, wow, you know, you don't wait until you're 32 anymore to win on the PGA Tour. You know, these guys come out more prepared than they did, you know, 20 years ago when we first started getting involved in the sport. And you had to wait till you were like 31 and 32 to start winning on the PGA Tour. Now we fast forward five years from that conversation that you and I probably had about five, six years ago. And now it's not just you have to wait. Not, not only is it not you have to wait until you're in your early 30s, now it's you've come out so young, so ready, and you're ready to dominate. It's not just you feel like you belong. It's like look inside the top 20 in the world, the, the top 10 in the world, how quickly these guys vault onto the scene, to your point. And it's such a fine line, and the game is so strong. You can go to any tour anywhere in the world and find a guy who is one thought away from a 58 and a victory on on any tour. It is, it's just mind-boggling to me how good these guys are and how fast it happens. It's fun to watch. It was a great week, great week to kick off the playoffs. I mean, you can't uh, – not, to, not, to, not to open another door and go in a direction, but, but all, all joking aside – I mean, you, you can't, you can't, you can throw as much money as you want on that. You can't buy that. You cannot buy what we got to watch and be a part of uh, this weekend. I mean, no one is standing there over that 10 footer in that heat of battle like that. And it, no one's thinking about money. Uh, everybody is thinking that Will Zalatoris wanted to be a winner on the PGA Tour. It has been eating away at him. Doesn't want to answer, I have to ask, answer the questions anymore. Doesn't want to answer questions about his putting anymore. He was not standing there thinking about money. He was standing there thinking about, I want to shut everybody up. I want to be a winner. And I want to, I want to change the narrative on the future of my career. And boy, did he ever. In conversation with Mark Zucchino, recapping the FedEx Cup playoffs, first leg at the FedEx St. Jude Championship, previewing the BMW Championship as well. But Mark, you mentioned something there. That's right where I was going because Paul Azinger had that comment right at the end of the NBC broadcast that was also on TSN, where he said, I can tell you there's no amount of guaranteed money that can buy what he's feeling right now. Mark, it's safe to say that was Zinger with a Zinger of his own. What do you think of what he said there? <laughs> well, it's funny you bring him up like that, Adam, too, because um, yesterday morning uh, I had a coffee uh, with Paul in the um, media area, um, our catering area in the TV compound. And the, the conversation was not about Zalatoris at first. We ended the conversation with Zalatoris. The majority of the conversation was, what, you know, what if, what if Cam Smith goes out and wins this? You know, this is just, it's just not good for the tour. Now, Cam Smith can, he has the, you know, the freedom to do whatever he wants. And if he chooses to go to live, so be it. I don't like the lawsuits. I don't like we want our cake and eat it too. Live's not for me. You guys know how I feel about it. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have the personal choice to go do that. That being said, if a guy's getting ready to bolt for the, bolt from the PGA Tour and leave directly to uh, this destructive giant 
uh, you know, immediately following the season, you know, what would it look like for the PGA Tour to, you know, have their FedEx Cup champion, you know, you know, a week after we hand out the FedEx Cup to go to Lip. It just, it's just not a, I don't think it's a good thing for the PGA Tour. It might help their court case a little. When uh, Liv claims that they've got a monopoly, uh, I think it kind of pop, pops an ear in that. I'm not a lawyer, but it sure pops an ear in, in the common sense balloon uh, when it comes to that argument. Um, but, you know, then we didn't even know Cam Smith was being assessed that two-stroke penalty yet, to be honest with you. We thought he was starting the day at 1100. But then the narrative shift is Alan Torres and his putting uh, between 5 to 10 feet and uh, we and how I think we needed, we as the PGA Tour and golf needed, uh, one of the big names to step up and and grab the trophy on Sunday. And Zalator's name was the one that kind of came to the tip of both of our tongues. And it was all about his putting from 5 to 10 feet. If he could just, you know, make some of those. Because he was great inside 5 feet all week. There was nothing flinchy about his stroke. He didn't miss little putts. He just didn't make those ones you needed to make. And boy, did he slam the door on that. I mean, in that range on Sunday and in the playoff, it was spectacular. And uh, don't kid yourselves. I mean, we're not supposed to be rooting, but in, in the current environment out there right now, the us versus them, there isn't a single person on that property not rooting for Zalatoris uh, and, and the guys they know that have, you know, the guys that have stood up and said, I'm staying with the tour. I want to be a part of the PJ tour. I don't want anything to do with this. There is definitely a, a big rooting push of support for those guys. All right, let's deal with Cameron Smith on the number, on another level. Uh, he did get that penalty, and uh, it, it seemed, when you look at the, the, the highlight, it looks pretty clear. And uh, I, the live thing aside, I don't think they, they penalized him any extra. Someone suggested to that to me this morning about the fact that, oh, maybe they were just trying to get him. But... Do you think there should be a statute of limitations, a time limit on when these things can happen, especially now that we're talking about all the, uh, the wagering that goes on on golf and the partnerships that the PGA Tour and has with uh, several of those? Do you think there has to be some kind of finality? Okay, the end of the round or the start of the next round or something along those lines. Do you think that was a little out of whack? I do, I do Bob. Uh, I mean, was it, was it a, 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 did he break the, the rule? Yes, it was clear in the footage. He did not take full relief. You have to take full relief. I get it. Did did the rule? Did what he did, uh, you know, give him a competitive advantage to hit that shot? No. If that golf ball's one inch left or one inch outside that line, it doesn't change the competitive advantage of that shot in terms of did he cheat to give himself an advantage? No. So I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, unless it's something, unless it is something that the tour needs to, to kind of almost create a secondary level of rules to say, you know, was this clearly cheating to create an advantage? Like, is this a Patrick Reed rule? You know what I mean? Like, did he scrape the sand behind the ball to give himself you know, the opportunity to hit a fairway metal or hybrid out of a fairway bunker. If it's something like that with the intent for a competitive advantage, maybe I'm not so tied up with there needs to be a limit on the time. Because 
there's bad intentions there, and the game doesn't need that. But what we're talking about here with Cam Smith, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And maybe I can't have my cake and eat it too. Maybe I need to just have a line in the sand and say, okay, well, once in a while, you know, now that Patrick Reed's not on, on the PJ Tour, we probably don't have to worry about this anymore. <laughs> so we could probably just draw a line in the sand and say, at the end of the competitive round of that day, you know, once the last ball is in the hole, whatever, however they word it, Bob, I kind of like what you're saying because I'm not a fan of you sign for 11 under, everybody goes to bed, you wake up the next day. I grab my, I grab my pairing sheet at 9.30 in the morning and my pairing sheet at 9.30 a.m., my official PGA Tour pairing sheet document, had him at 11 under par. So, I mean, I'm with you. I I like what you're saying. Let's put a time limit on it. I I would be open to that little gray area if if you guys know where I'm going with Mm -hmm. that. But, but yeah, in in the spirit of what Bob's saying, I think it's a thousand percent. Well, and another example of this, a couple of years back, the 2013 Masters, second round, Tiger Woods, 15th hole, hits a shot, goes and hits the flagstick, goes, spins back into the water, and then no one thinks of anything. He, you know, takes a drop a couple of paces back from where his divot was, gets up and down for what he thinks is a six, then speaking to the media afterwards then he sort of uh, he admitted basically that he broke a rule without actually knowing he admitted he broke a rule that caused so much controversy back in 2013 so there's there are so many interesting sort of persnickety rules uh, of golf i some would say but yeah th- this was just flat out weird uh, on cameron smith's part mark before we let you go uh, you sent me a text about uh, roger Mulpey and a golf cart uh, a are you okay and b tell us the story <laughs> I got to tell you guys, if I had the golf today, I couldn't golf. I, it's my right hip. It's so sore. Oh. I, it hasn't turned black yet, but I think in a day or, or two, that this hip could turn like purple. Um, not Roger's fault. He's awesome. I, like, he was so cool to give me a lift. We got, you know, we were out there. It was such a long week. I, you know, we, everybody was fatigued, so I, I was a little kind of out of it. Um, in the playoff, when we moved to 11, the gallery, the thought, like thousands of people just kind of swallowed you up yep. and you couldn't take your golf cart anywhere. Right. So I had to run from the 18th green to the 11th green through like crowds and like, it was nuts. I got to the 11th, I made my call, but I was feeling it and I was a little kind of out of it. Uh, I, you know, probably needed a bottle of water, yada, yada, yada making my way back to the TV compound and, and, you know, everybody's exiting the property at the same time. You know, so it looks like you're leaving uh, a U2 concert in the late 80s from Exhibition (laughs) Stadium, right? It's like everybody's funneling into, like, these spots and you can't move. Um, And and all of a sudden I see Roger and his car driver. They go, hey, Mark, hop on. I'm oh, thank you, guys. Super kind. So I get a lift back. We get to the TV compound. I think the card is coming to a stop. I'm kind of like a little, my equilibrium's not like 100%. I go to step off, ass over tea kettle, boys. <laughs> I, went, I, 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 I went down so hard in the TV compound. It was, and you're so embarrassed, you do the immediate hop-up. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay. Nothing to see here. I wasn't bleeding, thank God. But I, my hip. Instantly, I go, oh, my, I thought I broke something. Knock on wood, did not break something. But I'm supposed to play golf at the end of the week. 
I got my fingers crossed that maybe by Wednesday, Thursday, this uh, this feels a, a, a bit better. But I mean, it's funny now though. Afterwards, I was laughing about it. The it, the embarrassment is still worse than the pain. Well, Mark, I have one word for you: rice, rest. Ice, compress, elevate. That's some exercise science right there, Bob. That is. uh, That's the one thing I'll take away from taking that in grade 12. Anyway, Mark, uh, thank you for your time today. Safe travels home. Get that hip on ice. Glad you're okay, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Adam. You guys are the best. Uh, I will, uh, I'll text you in a couple days. All right. Sounds good. That's Mark Sacchino making his way home on one leg, it sounds like. He's in Louisville. I wonder if he's checking out, uh, going to pick up some new baseball bats. What Louisville's famous for. <laughs> well, he was in Nashville last week, too. I saw he enjoyed some time in Nashville wow. with Mrs. Golf Talk Canada. Nashville, great spot. Uh, on the other side, we'll have 20 weeks of TaylorMade, and we'll tee up our two. This is GTC. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Wrapping up Hour 1 of GTC, Scully Weeks here in Studio TSN 1050. You can also watch us on TSN 2. Coming up in Hour 2, we'll take a look at the President's Cup standings just over a month away. And we'll have at least one Canadian on that team, very likely. Hopefully more than one. We'll discuss that and all of their chances. We'll also hear from Bill Price from TaylorMade on the High Toe 3 wedges. I had a chance to catch up with him recently about that. We're also giving away two of those this week on 20 Weeks of TaylorMade. It is our second last week of the season. Hard to believe. Plus, we'll have winners, weird and what. And we'll preview our TV special also coming up this Wednesday. All coming up an hour or two right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Hour 2, the back nine here on GTC. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. We're on TSN 1050. You can also watch us on TSN 2 until the top of the hour. Lots to get to in Hour 2. Leaderboard updates from around the world of golf. Winners, weird and what. We'll hear from Bill Price from TaylorMade about the TaylorMade High Toe 3 wedges. We'll also talk about uh, a video I put out on social media of me hitting the High Toe 3 wedge, which... And then I, I actually I, I chipped into a little target, and I had 
what I would characterize, Bob, as one of the most awkward-looking fist pumps in the history of, of fist pumps. Yeah, it, was, it did look a little odd. It was yeah. uh, it was okay, but it was almost sort of um, what's the word? It was it was very uh, very. If 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 it was a if it was a golf swing, you would still be on the um, one of the minor league tours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I not some, the PGA Tour. Like the swing looked great. <laughs> yeah, I, I had some great responses on social media. Someone said it was like I was getting ready to operate a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Someone said it looks like I was flushing a toilet. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that one. That's good. Though. I thought was interesting. So really going to work on my fist pump game here, and I appreciate <laughs> all the feedback. I really do. But hopefully next time when I'm swinging on camera, I can have a bit of an uppercut fist pump yeah. or something. Now, one player, Bob, who has had a lot of fist pumps this year is Cameron Smith. And now he has been uh, a lot of controversy around him in regards to whether he's going to go to live or not. Is he going to play in the President's Cup or not? And as of right now, on the International President's Cup team standings, Cameron Smith is number one. And on the FedEx Cup projected standings right now, he is number three. But as we were just in commercial break, some news broke from his agent that Cameron Smith has withdrawn from this week's BMW Championship. And you might think, hmm, this guy is WD'd from this championship. There's thought of, is he going to live? His press conference last week was very noncommittal, a lot of no comments. Here is the quote from Cam Smith's agent, and I'm quoting him here. Unfortunately, Cam will be unable to compete at the BMW Championship this week. He has been dealing with some on-and-off hip discomfort for several months and thought it would be best to rest this week in his pursuit of the FedEx Cup. Huh. Interesting timing here, is it not? It is. Uh, the only thing that's kind of weird about it is, I, no, I don't know, maybe he just didn't want to... Um, face all the barrage of questions or maybe um, you know like he's not going to play a live event there's no live event until after the playoffs yep. are over so that's ruled out we don't have to worry about that and he said he's playing the President's Cup so if we take him at his word maybe he really does have a bad yep. hip I mean it could possibly be mm -hmm. that he's just ailing and he can't play he doesn't need to play he'll make it if he wants to play the final he'll be in in the uh, the final FedEx Cup Tour Championship so there's no real reason there, but obviously with what's going on, your antennas go up and you start thinking, hmm, maybe, maybe he was just mad at the, uh, at the ruling he got. I don't know. Right, and I mean, as we know, the Tour Championship is a staggered starting leaderboard, so his, his status will significantly get worse heading into the Tour Championship where, you know, if you're leading uh, the FedEx Cup Championship, uh, the standings going into the Tour Championship, you're at 10 under par. You have a two-shot lead over the second place at 8 under, and then it drops all the way down to even par if you're around 30. So as of right now, he's third. With So getting zero points, he'll probably drop to 8th, ninth, 10th. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not worse. hard to figure out, but somewhere in there for yeah, sure. Yeah, so he'll, he'll have a steep hill to climb. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's another layer to this uh, spicy story, we'll call it, uh, on live. But uh, for Cameron Smith, like you mentioned, though, he did say he is going to play in the President's Cup, taking it on, on from his word. 
And the President's Cup is now 35 days away. Hard to believe that it's already 35 days away. And we're going to take a look at the team standings for both sides right now, starting with the international side. So six automatic qualifiers, six captains selections. For the international international side, right as of this moment, Cameron Smith is still at number one. Hideki Matsuyama, number two. Sung J.M., number three. Joaquin Neiman, number four. Tom Kim, what a year this guy has had. What a recent surge of success he's had. And number five. And then Canadian Corey Connors at number six. Those are the six automatic qualifiers. As we go down their uh, standings board, Mito Pereira had that great chance to win the PGA Championship before one of the weirdest swings we've ever seen in the history of golf on the 18th hole in the water, getting out of that playoff, unfortunately. Adam Scott, who's been a, a stalwart on President's Cup teams in the past, very quiet year. Had a good week last week. He's at number eight. K.H. Lee, number nine. Eric Van Ruyen, Mr. Joggers himself at number 10. Adam Hadwin at number 11. Sebastian Munoz, number 12. And we should also mention Mackenzie Hughes at 13. Taylor Pendrith at 20. So as of right now, Corey Connors is an automatic qualifier. Of the, uh, Do you think we'll see two on the team, Canadians? I think so. Yeah. I, I can't imagine we won't, to be perfectly honest with you. Now, these are these standings, we should point out, they do a terrible job at updating them. Mm-hmm. So these, this has one more week to kind of roll. It didn't, didn't, doesn't have last week's right. results in it. I don't think there'll be huge changes. But, um, you know, I think, I, th- I know, I've talked to Trevor Immelman. He's huge on Corey Connors. So whether Corey Connors is an automatic pick uh, or a captain selection, he's going to be on the team. I think they like Adam Hadwin, just because if you look at some of these guys, uh, Tom Kim and Mito Pereira, uh, K.H. Lee, you know, there's a bunch of guys who have not been on one of these teams before. So it's always good to have a guy who's got a little experience. This would be Adam Hadwin's third mm-hmm. President's Cup if he, was, if he was selected. Exactly. So I think there's a, he's probably a good pick, and I think he's been playing well enough, and he's been playing well enough in the second part of the season this last week was not a great one but other than that he's had a pretty good sort of solid season and he is a clutch putter Mackenzie Hughes is a clutch putter too probably a better putter but the rest of Mackenzie's game I don't know how well it would line up in terms of he's a little spray off the off the uh, tee not always but once in a while these are the things I'm sure they're looking at it but they've also got all these analytics that they're going to look at they know exactly who pairs well with other people so that's another reason why Mac Hughes might be a great fit to play with Corey Connors. He might get in there just simply based on that. So um, there's a lot of stuff that I'm sure Trevor Immelman on the team is going to be working on. Uh, let's not forget also that uh, captain's assistant Mike Weir might be yes. in there lobbying for the guys with carrying the Maple Leafs. So uh, a lot, of, lot can happen in the next two weeks. Lots can definitely happen in the next two weeks. How far would a win go for if, the, if a Canadian can win this week? Vault uh, his way up. The team standings that would be that would be that would be just awesome to see. And you know, we were at that Presidents Cup together back in 2017 at Liberty National, where that was just that was a great event. It was an absolute butt kicking by by the U.S. <laughs> just to say the least. But I, I remember that the look on Adam Hadwin's face you know, throughout the week, and he was just having a great time, even though, you know, losing to Phil Mickelson in that Sunday singles, but some of the team events, he got to play with Hideki Matsuyama, some team chemistry there, and then even at Royal Melbourne, where, you know, that was where that international side really took a turn, where Ernie Els was on board, he was the captain, and like they had the new team logo, new team motto, and that's they just seem like a really different team there. So you wonder if they'll be able to carry that momentum over despite everything else going on in the world of golf, and if they have those star players like Cam Smith playing too. 
Yeah, I think what Ernie Els did was really try to build this team around. They don't really, they didn't really have a focus. Like the U.S. is all the same country, you know, they they play a lot. The, the, the international time team has always had a difficult and sort of gelling together as one squad. Uh, they got the new logo, the shirts, the yeah. everything, new colors, and I think that was huge. And I think the, uh, the if the folks who run the President's Cup had their way, they would have coerced Ernie into uh, doing one more year because he had team dinners together. He had lots of stuff in the build up to it. Uh, it's always tough. There's language differences, and, uh, and it's not quite as cohesive as the uh, American team, which in a lot of cases guys have played together since junior golf. So it makes it a little bit more difficult, but it was certainly a good step, and I'm sure they would have loved to have Ernie back, but Ernie just said, no, no, once is more than enough. Yep. So uh, this will be Trevor Immelman, and then the next go-around will obviously be Mike Weir in Montreal. Uh, Royal Montreal, and uh, I'm sure we'll both be there for that. That's that's going to be incredible. That's going to be incredible to be there at an event, at a golf course like that. So much history at Royal Montreal. Yeah, President's Cup getting underway in 35 days. Now, if you take a look at the U.S. team standings, boy, oh, boy, does this look different. <laughs> yeah, all, exactly, all the right? players who have gone to live. So from that Ryder Cup side who won in record-setting fashion back at uh, Whistling Straits uh, this past September, Bryson DeChambeau was on that team. Brooks Kepka was on that team. Phil Mickelson was a captain's assistant on that team. Of course, Mickelson has been on so many Ryder Cup, President's Cup team event teams. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be playing anyone anytime soon. But taking a look at the U.S. team standings right now, you have Scotty Scheffler, world number one, at number one. Patrick Cantley at two. Sam Burns at three. Xander Shoffley at four. JT, Justin Thomas at five. Tony Finau at six. And uh, actually, these have updated. So the U.S. team standings. This, as the of, U.S. ones are updated. The international uh, ones are not yet on this list. So oh, interesting. Unless they just happened. But yeah, I because, noticed it. Yeah, because so Will Zalatoris has moved up to seventh. Jordan Spieth at number eight. I'll have much more on Spieth and my winners, Weird and What. Uh, what a strange time he's been having right now. Colin Morikawa at number nine. Love seeing Max Homa at 10. He's had a great year. Billy Horschel at number 11. Cameron Young at number 12. So when the U.S. had that dominating performance at the Ryder Cup, we had the conversation the next day. You made the point on SportsCenter that night that the next President's Cup, we could see the international side be much, have it be much more competitive than the Europeans do in the Ryder Cup, President's Cup, for the next number of years. But given how the U.S., <laughs> they've lost some players, but there's now so many other guys rising up the ranks. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this American team standings as of right now? You know, it's kind of interesting. We were talking about that earlier in the show, how, how uh, uh, Will Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler four years ago were nowhere to be seen. And now, you know, this is the same kind of scenario. You look at some of these guys who weren't around the last time, uh, Cameron Young and Max Holma and Will Zalatoris and... Uh, you can see these guys. It's, I mean, you can go down here. You could probably put the next 12 guys on the on the page and not have a bad team either. So it's just the time right now where the U.S. has such a uh, a huge crop of good young players all fighting to get in. Now, the two differences between the two teams are going to be that there's six picks for the U.S. team. There's only four picks for the international team. So six picks is a lot, and that gives uh, that gives Davis Love a lot of stuff to try to work around with what they want to do, how they want to mold it, what they want to shape it as. I mean, I just uh, I just think that they can... I mean, you look at some of these guys down here. Kevin Kisner at 15. Uh, what a clutch putter he is, yeah. you know? So, so you could just hand-pick a team here out of the, anywhere in the top 20, think, and I think you'd have a really good shot at, at making the run through to, uh, to knock these international team off, unfortunately. Uh, the international team has some great players on it, but once you start getting down like to 13 14 15 you know there's some guys in there who you don't know 
Totally. You, you never know. And I mean, 35 days away now. It's, it's hard to believe that it's coming up so shortly. And, and can't wait for, uh, for this to get underway uh, at Quail Hollow. You'll be there. TSN golf analyst Graham Dillette will be there. He had a great showing at the President's Cup himself. Looking forward to hearing his perspective. And I'm sure an essay or two talking about his experience <laughs> beating Jordan Speed in the Sunday singles at that tournament. Uh, on the other side, we'll switch gears a little bit. 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues throughout the summer. This week, we're giving away two of the brand new TaylorMade High Toe 3 wedges. On the other side, we'll hear from TaylorMade's Bill Price all about these new wedges. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. We're on TSN 1050 as well. You can watch us on TSN 2 until the top of the hour if you are listening live. I should mention that as well. But uh, for all our loyal listeners and fans of the show, you know that 20 weeks of TaylorMade goes on throughout the summer. Each week we give away some sort of TaylorMade product, whether it's a driver, iron set, six dozen golf balls, the works. This week we're giving away two of the all-new Taylor made high toe three wedges so much technology jam-packed into this product for much more on this i recently had a chance to catch up with TaylorMade's bill price pleased to be joined by good friend of the show bill price from TaylorMade to discuss the TaylorMade high toe three wedges so much technology in this newest edition of high toe but first for someone who isn't aware of what high toe is all about give us a summary of how it first came to be in 2018 yeah, great question there, Adam. We uh, A few years back, we started uh, meeting with all the players, and one of the things we were on a search for was uh, around the greens. Um, is there a wedge that can hit all the shots, and what's your worst shot that you have or your nightmare, and what is it that uh, we could do a better job at? And there were so many uh, questions about this type of shot or this type of condition or this type of bunker or grass, uh, soft, firm and it was at the end of the day it was you know their difficulty with and and there was one in particular that i was talking about was you know when the balls especially at kukuya when it's sitting up high and you have that wedge shot there and you're hitting it inconsistent and a lot of it was they were hitting it more on the toe shot side of of things so it was all around that and we talked about what type of sole designs that were, were going to be needed to help hit all these different shots. And at the end of the day, it was more of a full camber. First off, they talked about camber, both from heel to toe, uh, front to back. So a lot of camber. Um, they all talked about being able to slide this club under the ball. Uh, we talked about a low leading edge to, to, to handle all the different shot characteristics. And so combination of low leading edge, lots of camber, and a somewhat, they didn't ask for this, but more of a wider sole. So that was that's really the secret behind what what high toe has been. Now, that's the sole. But then at the end of the day, they were all about the higher toe. So we talked about well, how high should that toe be, or how tall should that toe be? And so uh, we looked at different versions. So if you look at a wedge today, a t typical wedge is let's call it about sixty-two millimeters. We looked at about 66, 68, 70. 
we looked at a lot of different sizes and we landed on this where we are today. So that was really important um, to have a little bit higher toe because they like to open that face up, especially what I talked about having that ball where it sits up sometimes in the high grass. So that was uh, uh, part of the design of the high toe. And then we called it high toe. And then the last piece of the puzzle, you know, uh, what I challenged the guys is should it have full length scoring lines all the way across the face? And that was an atom automatic. Yes. It needs to have the full length score lines because like we talked about, there is a tendency to hit it towards the high on the toe. So they wanted to make sure that they had scoring lines out there. So it was really designed with all the players uh, uh, development from all the different players and input from all the uh, different things that they were trying to do to, to help their game. So Lots of information there, but now on to high toe three. Tell us about some of the new features with this new great wedge. So one of the things, Adam, we kept all the good stuff that we've done for the last couple of years the same. So we didn't touch the sole. So same sole designs. What we did do, though, is add a few more bounce options uh, to, the, to the design of high toe three. Um, so we added some more bounce options that the players have, re- have asked for. So we have a low bounce and a high bounce a seven, a 10 and a 13 bounce. So we added that, but keep it everything else the same, the same height toe, the same full length score lines, um, the same sole treatment of the wide sole, a lot of camber, but we just did a couple little tweaks here and there, especially with the 54, we added full length score lines across the face. We didn't have it before, uh, but the big also change is the, uh, is the weight pad that's just fine on the toe on the backside. So that really is trying to get that, that launch down, but the player's are always looking for. So a lower launch with a little bit more spin. You mentioned the 54 and expanding the full length scoring lines now extending to wedges 54 degrees and higher. What were some of the reasons behind that? So there seems to be a movement uh, lately in the last few years. We have always had traditional wedges, you know, 52, 56, 60. It seems it's shifting downward a little bit to, to I call the more modern uh, uh, purchase, which is a 50, 54, 58. We're seeing a lot more players in there. And it really, for consumers, uh, it really, it's a great idea because their sets and their set wedges are very strong today. So you really got to pay attention to the gapping. So it does make sense. So the new modern approach is 50, 54, 58. Now, we did have full-length score lines in 56 because the players – said that they do have a tendency to open up their 56. So they'd like to see full-length score lines. But in their old designs, we used to keep kind of a standard score line in 54. But with this movement happening, it was important to, you know, the players said, let's let's get full-length score lines in 54. And there's also a higher center of gravity in the new high toe three, correct? So what are some of the benefits of this? So one of the things that it depends upon who you talk to, but you look at the launch characteristics of, of what tour does versus say the average golfer. And, you know, you'll look at, you know, a, a number there's some can be 20 degrees of difference in launch between say an average, average player versus a tour player on a 60 degree wedge. And a lot of it is where, how they deliver that, um, that, that angle of attack, but you know, they are, they are all looking for a lower launch with high spin. That's the combination. So low launch, high high spin, so that they can hit those shots in there, especially what they're playing is these very tight, uh, tucked pins. So being able to lower that launch is something that we're trying to achieve, and we were able to do that with that weight pad that's on the high toe three. And now all of these changes for high toe three are all aimed for increasing versatility for all kinds of shots in all kinds of conditions, correct? 
across the board. Yeah. And, you know, so I always get the question, you know, what's the perfect wedge setup uh, from TaylorMade? I would say, you know, um, it depends upon who you are, uh, but you can have definitely you can have MG in the low lofts. Uh, but a high toe, I think, is the most versatile wedge across the board for all golfers. Um, now, the one addition that we're doing is we always had this copper finish that we call it an aged copper. Uh, that's always been uh, um, part of the, the legacy of what high toe has always been. But we are adding for the first time a chrome version uh, that will be out in the spring. So a chrome version, because there's been a lot of requests that they uh, consumers as well as tour players like to have the same finish in their low lofts as their high lofts. So, uh, so we are going to offer that in the spring. You mentioned a bunch of finishes too, and there are some customizable options coming up here as well with the my high toe three as well. Is that correct? True, true. We can we can do raw, we can do black, we can do uh, of course chrome. Uh, the most successful one is always chrome and raw. Raw is very popular. We we do offer a full raw uh, on on the my program, so the the whole head is raw. Mm-hmm. And and our our story at retail though with with high toe and uh, is just we raw the face, so we remove all the excess material on there. We want that to rust. We want that to add a little bit more friction. That's the spin that we talk about because. I think it rains up in Canada. So uh, <laughs> my son has been up there playing on the uh, Canadian tour. And all he talked about was how much rain it does up here in Canada. <laughs> so part of the thing that, uh, that you'll see in his set is he's a big believer now with all that rain about uh, how the spin can change uh, in wet conditions versus dry conditions. And why you want to have raw face is because it's going to, you know, if you don't have raw, you're going to lose about 50% of that spin. And no player wants to have that type of reduction and spin. Um, but, you know, it just doesn't have to rain to have that. It all it takes is just a little bit of dew in the morning, and you get a little bit of that, that, that dew on your golf ball, and that ball slides up the face. Your launch goes up anywhere between four to five, six degrees, and your spin is cut in half. So raw will eliminate uh, about 20 to 25% of that. So now instead of losing 50, you might be losing, you know, 25% of that spin, but, um, and your launch isn't reduced is is not cut in half like it is today. So yeah, you gotta be careful about what water can do or what type of mist can do to a golf ball or to the face and what that does to your spin and launch numbers. That's Bill Price from TaylorMade discussing the TaylorMade high toe three wedges uh really uh, enjoyed the chance to hit those new wedges and uh you can also hit them too all you have to do follow golf talk canada taylor may canada twitter instagram tag your golfing buddies in our post and you'll be in the draw to win so very exciting times for 20 weeks of taylor made on the other side speaking of exciting times it's winners weird and what this is golf talk canada this segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. 
Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks. We're on TSN 1050 as well. You can watch us on TSN 2 if you're listening or watching live until the top of the hour. We'll have all the latest on 20 weeks of TaylorMade and leaderboard updates on the other side. But now, Bob, it's our favorite time of the show. It's Winners Weird and What. And this week, sir, you have the tea. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! We sort of teased it off the top of the show, but up uh, on the weekend I was up in cottage country and uh, playing a little golf on a golf course called Muskoka Highlands. Lovely little track. And it is the first course that I've ever played where it's dog-friendly. So you can bring your dog on the course with you. And my buddy has a dog that uh, loves to go out and walk and will walk for long distances. And I thought, when he told me this, I thought, okay, that's kind of strange. Isn't the dog going like, to chase the golf ball or anything? But no, it was well-behaved. But I bet you there were uh, between 10 and 15 groups that I saw that day where there was a dog walking around on the golf course. And it almost seems... Uh, a natural thing. Like, why wouldn't you bring your dog out if the dog can yeah. handle 18 holes? One, one little dog was in a cart riding along on, beside the, uh, the owners of it, I guess. And uh, a lot of other the bigger dogs are running around. They can find shade uh, in a lot of different places. They, I mean, it was, it was kind of a cool, a cool experience. Have you ever, ever seen a dog on a golf course other than the one chasing the geese away? I have not seen any dogs on the golf course. Uh, did you see any dog strollers? Out there. <laughs> no dog strollers, okay. no, okay. no, and no dogs driving the carts. Okay, that's that's probably good. Now we, we almost buried the lead here a little bit because you had quite a round going as well during uh, your your jaunt around Muskoka oh, Highlands. Yeah. What, I mean, other than the 18th hole, you played some great golf. <laughs> I finished up uh, bogey par triple for 77. It was a nice nice good day for Woof. me, but had a good getting good hot round. in here. I wasn't even uh, the low man in my group. I was. Two, two other guys. One wow. I had was a 76. Another buddy was a nice 69. So oh my goodness. good for them. Good day all around. A little got, got a little warm. Now, that having been said, how I love the dogs on the golf course, I think that was fantastic. As long as the dogs can behave, of course. Yes. Can't have them running amok and, or, as I said, chasing the golf balls on the green or something like that. The other story that they had up at this, which is kind of the weird, is I don't know if you remember maybe, gosh, it's probably 10 years ago now. Mark King, who was then the head of TaylorMade, came up with this idea about how golf courses were going to have to kind of... This is when there was, we were all talking about golf on the decline. He said, we're going to have to find other ways to utilize golf courses. And one of the things he came up with was foot golf. Now, foot golf was basically kicking a soccer ball around a golf course. And they have holes on the golf course that you can use to hole your soccer ball. And I had never seen it. Until yesterday, <laughs> when at Muskoka Highlands, they had foot golf. And this guy came out in his uh, working cart, and he sort of basically pulled what looked like manhole covers out of the ground. And there was a great big large hole in there, and he stuck a flag uh, that said foot golf on it. Now, we didn't actually see anybody playing foot golf, but I'm yeah. assuming that maybe later on a Sunday afternoon, they would have people come out and play foot golf. I don't know, but I've, have you ever even heard? I've never, I've heard of it, but I didn't, this is the first time I'd actually ever seen it. I've never actually heard of this. I've heard of, is it Frisbee golf? I, I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, disc golf. Disc golf, I've seen that before. I was going to ask what kind of outfits, like are, are they showing up in golf outfits yeah. and just kicking a soccer ball around? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, nobody was there playing, but uh, but it looked, it looked like it was interesting. And obviously if they're having somebody 
prep the course, as it were. They've got to have some people who are foot golfers up there. So all more power to okay. them. Yeah, okay. And then my uh, what is something we've also talked a little bit about. We talked about how good Chambers Bay looked for the U.S. Women's Amateur. But what about a major championship up there? Well, I think it's deserving of a major, another sh- chance to have a major championship. The first U.S. Open there was a bit of a disaster, just more because of course conditions than anything else. But there's no real course now up in the Pacific Northwest where you can hold a tournament, and it's a ripe market. I mean, it's a perfect place to try and key in. The biggest problem now is both the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship, which rotate their tournaments around. Um, there's nothing available till the earliest 2031. <laughs> They're all locked in for way out in advance. So, I mean, unless you're going to sit there and say, okay, well, we'll give you the 2036 U.S. Open. Uh, how do you plan for that? That's a long way away. So maybe there's maybe they can do something with a President's Cup or something like that along the way. Well, and, and you know, like, like you mentioned as well, too, it, the court, it just looked radically different than it did back in 2015 when they the USGA had clearly lost the greens. They, they clearly tried to take it. You know, the, the U.S. Open, they, they tried to take it to the boundary, to the line. They try not to cross the line. And there was that stretch of time, A, in the early 2000s, and B, in that stretch in the mid-teens of, you know, Chambers Bay at Shinnecock. They lost that golf course in that third round. And a couple other, and you, know, you think to, like, Aaron Hills, where that was just sort of a really bizarre setup. That was a strange one. That was just very strange. So you hope they, they do get another chance because some of the architecture around that golf course at uh, Chambers Bay, it looks incredible. So given what we just saw at the U.S. Women's Amateur, that'd be awesome to see for sure. It would be good. All right, Mr. Scully, the tee is yours. 348. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that is sweet. Okay, thanks, Bob. My winner this week goes to Mr. Justin Thomas, who had a, had a solid week at the FedEx St. Jude Championship, finishing tie for 13th. But it was what he did on social media that uh, makes him my winner this week. And he tweeted out on August 11th, had a conversation with my fiance last night, some of the players at the course today. And my thoughts are, how long would it take me to run a mile No training, just a random Tuesday. I go out, run one mile as fast as I can. Brackets, I'm very slow. What could I run it at? Now, before I ask you about this, (laughs) he also followed up on his own tweet saying, shout out to two answers today, one of which being Jordan Spieth saying, you could do it in under 10 minutes. Thanks a lot, man. (laughs) And at the other end of the spectrum, Sam Burns thinking long and hard about six minutes. I like you more than I thought, Sam. (laughs) Now, Bob, you're a runner. You have more running experience than I ever will. Like, what is, what's a good mile time? Like, is it, is it eight minutes? Is it nine minutes? Well, it depends on if you're running, if you're going to run 26 of them in a marathon yes. or you're running just one. I think he's just running one. So, like, for me, my mile pace is somewhere between, I don't know how, I usually do it on kilometers. It's mostly somewhere between seven and eight minutes for mm-hmm. a mile. 5.30, basically, is my marathon pace. But I could run faster than that if I was only going one mile. Right. But if he's never really trained, but he's in good shape. So young, yeah. flexible. I would think, I would think six and a half minutes. He should be able to do it between wow. six and a half to seven minutes, depending on a lot of things. But I would guess that would be where I would put it. Well, I remember back. Back in my prime, when I was a hockey player, uh, we used to do these three-mile runs in Erie because, you know, being in the states, it was a sure. mile thing to do, and I would do those in about twenty-three and a half minutes, I think. 23, yeah, three so miles. For, I thought you meant one miles. mile in 23 and a half thought, Man, you're slow. How did you play? <laughs> I say, yeah. did you walk? Or yeah, like, okay. yeah, I walked backwards, actually. <laughs> yeah. But the funniest was 
On Twitter, uh, our dear friend Harry Higgs replied oh, to yeah. JT's tweet saying, now the real question is, how fast could I run it in? So <laughs> I think we make uh, have a make-for-TV make special. You have JT, you have Harry Higgs, maybe you get Sam Burns and Jordan Speed. How about O-Dog and uh, Al's brother? Remember, you they had the hundred, remember they had the 100-meter dash or the 100-meter dash? No, that was must-see TV. That was, uh, that was some foot speed right there. <laughs> that was definitely some that foot speed. That was quick. Speed. That was something. But, uh, yeah, I think maybe you're involved, too. Like, you're, you're running as well. We'll get, <laughs> I mean, Mark Zucchino ran yesterday. He ran from the 18th to the 11th. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. I say I think it's I think it's automatic. We get these guys together and, and make something happen. But anyway, <laughs> uh, good for JT. And I'm curious how fast he would actually run a mile. Okay, my weird this week, the drama. There was so much drama around Scotty Scheffler and Cameron Smith. Oh, he walked through his line. Oh my goodness, let's call the cops. Oh my, it's people thought when you first saw this. So this was Thursday during the first round. It looked at first glance that Scotty Scheffler walked directly through Cameron Smith's line, and Cameron Smith gave the look up, saying, yeah. "What are you doing?" But upon further review, Scheffler misses a putt, and he walked between Smith and his ball. So behind Smith's ball, he wa- yes, he walked past him as Smith was reading a putt, but he was probably. Eight feet behind his ball, six okay. feet behind his ball. So there wasn't like he was stomping in his line and walking through saying, yeah, you're going to live. No, 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 here you go. But this was just so, uh, it was over, it was so much exaggeration, I think. And even on the broadcast the next day, Scheffler and Smith were laughing. They were almost going to reenact it just for fun. <laughs> right. I, I thought this was just so over the line. Yeah, I think everyone's looking for uh, looking for the, the fuse to light on anything yeah. that goes on. I mean, it's the same sort of thing now with... Uh, Cam Smith withdrawing this week, you know, yeah. maybe he really does have a hip injury, folks. You know, it could be that he's mm-hmm. sore. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to sort of uh, defuse things or or you know deflate some of these yeah. things like that. And certainly, social media gives it a lot of oomph. It it certainly does give it a, a lot of oomph. But uh, yeah, we don't really see much drama on the golf course ever. We saw Miguel Angel Jimenez and Keegan Bradley almost come to blows, sort of, kind of, <laughs> at a at a match play event uh, about eight years ago now. But anyway, that was uh, the drama on the golf course uh, for this week at the FedEx St. Jude Championship. And speaking of drama, that goes to my what? And that's more of uh, on the playing side of things. What is going on with Jordan Spieth? This guy has had a lot of swing, uh, you know, he's trying to change up his swing a little bit. He's got the, the really interesting, awkward pre-shot routine going on. But this goes to a video after his uh, first round at the, uh, in, in Memphis where he was hitting some balls in the range, and there was a camera there. And Justin Thomas was also filming him and also giving him swing tips. I mean, I know they're good buddies. We know all about that. But it's rare to see two PGA pros almost working together. Is, is that not strange? It's, it's, not, it's not that strange Except that the fact that he's filming it takes it to another level. Like yeah. a lot of times, guys will sort of say, you know, what do you, can you have a look at me, see what you see yeah. here? And uh, for instance, Steve Stricker is, is known as kind of a putting guru, so he will help guys out with it. He's helped Tiger out with the putting yep. thing. Uh, so it's not that unusual, but to take it to the extent with the camera, I don't know, that seems like it's almost, he should be collecting a check as a swing instructor. Add him to the payroll, I guess, yeah. right? For, but, I mean, yeah, Jordan Speed, he, he has had a weird year. It's been a weird couple of years. He won earlier th- this year at the RBC Heritage, came top 10 at the Open, the Scottish Open as well. So he has played some good golf, but 70-74 this past week at uh, the FedEx St. Jude Championship. It's, it's been a puzzling time in the career of Jordan Spieth. 
That's for sure. Okay, on the other side, we'll, we'll wrap up today's show. We'll have the latest on 20 weeks of TaylorMade. We'll tell you how you can win two TaylorMade High Toe 3 wedges, plus our grand prize gets underway very shortly, too. Hard to believe 20 weeks of TaylorMade coming to an end and yet another great golf season. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Wrapping up our edition of Golf Talk Canada here, Adam Scully alongside Bob Weeks on TSN 1050 and TSN 2. That Adidas billboard gave me a little reminder of something we can't say too much about right now, but coming up in just over a month, you'll see a lot of things on our social media page, and uh, let's just say uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what will be coming out uh, from our, our friends at Adidas. Really looking forward to that in just over a month's time. But uh, let's get to some leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one rangefinder in golf. The LPGA Tour was in Ireland this past week where Maya Stark ran away with it. A five-shot victory, a 63 in her final round, a five-shot victory. Congratulations to Maya. On the Corn Ferry Tour, Robbie Shelton at the Pinnacle Bank Championship, a one-shot victory over mm. Ben Taylor, Kevin Doherty, Taylor Montgomery, Michael Kim among those in the top 10, did we have any Canadians in the mix? It looks like no Canadians, unfortunately, made the cut there on PGA Tour Canada. They had a week off, but this week is the Manitoba Open. Two weeks ago, Ryan Girard won the Quebec Open, the second consecutive wire-to-wire winner on PGA Tour Canada after they went five years without a wire-to-wire champion. He's actually going to join us on our Wednesday TV special on Golf Talk Canada. We recap his victory and what's next for Ryan Girard. He's currently fifth or fourth, I should say, in their Fortnite Cup standings, which is a new thing for PGA Tour Canada this year. Awesome victory by Ryan. PGA Tour FedEx St. Jude Championship. Will Zalatoris, first career PGA Tour victory after struggling in the first round of 71. He followed up with rounds of 63, 65, and 66. Some incredibly clutch putts down the stretch by Will Zalatoris to get it done. Uh, as for the DP World Tour, it's, I had that somewhere here. I think I've actually lost that now on my computer. But uh, Oh, no, here it is, right here. Uh, the Honda World Invitational presented by AVIV Clinics, uh, also, also in Ireland. Uh, Ewan Ferguson gets it done. A three-shot victory over Con- Connor Syme and Borea Verto. He uh, was 1,200 par for his four rounds. Uh, of course, Bob, 20 weeks of TaylorMade continues. Second last week of the season. Later today, we'll be giving away two TaylorMade High Toe 3 wedges. You just heard all about those wedges with Bill Price a little earlier in the show. You might ask, how do you win? 
It's pretty simple. All you have to do, follow Golf Talk Canada, follow Taylor Mid Canada, Twitter, Instagram, tag your golfing buddies. You'll be in the draw to win. And, Bob, it's hard to believe that another season has essentially come and gone because our grand prize, we're giving it away next week. It's unbelievable. What a great prize it is. And as you said, things are starting to wind up. We've got the PGA Tour with two more weeks to the regular season. PGA Tour Canada was just looking. They've got the Manitoba Open. Manitoba Open. Then they're going to that event in Minnesota, which would was scheduled before they uh, had the shutdown. Uh, off to Kelowna after that, and then the Fortinet Cup and Kitchener for this. So there's still a pretty healthy uh, swing here where things can happen on PGA Tour Canada. And I love, I'm going to go out to that Deer Ridge and yeah. see what we can see out there because uh, it should be a good, a good finish to the season there. But as you said, 20 weeks of TaylorMade wrapping up, PGA Tour wrapping up. It's, it doesn't feel like fall out there that... No. I don't know. I haven't felt that. No, Still kind of warm, by. still kind of sunny. I will say there were a couple of days last week where the temperature really dropped after 8 or 9 o'clock, where the week previous it was 150 degrees Celsius right. outside, and it was steamy and, and, and smoggy that way. But it's uh, not quite feeling like fall yet, although no. summer always goes by too quickly. And then we get September, and it's usually a little bit better. Maybe we get a little fall. I do have Indian to say, fall. I Indian say... Summer. I, I love playing golf in September in the mm-hmm. GTA. It's, it might be my favorite. You know, sometimes yeah. where maybe you start with a pullover on or you got the pants going, and then by the time you're on the fourth or fifth hole, the sun's out, guns are out, and you're ready to rock. <laughs> but, uh, speaking of fall golf, I have to give a shout-out to uh, my home course, Bayview Golf and Country Club. We are currently going through a rerouting trial process. That's where, cool. I mean, it's interesting. Very interesting. So we're now starting on our original 10th hole and, and having a bit of a different rotation. I encourage everyone out there, have an open mind about it. Have some fun. Give it a go. You're still playing the same 18 holes. But, Bob, I got to try it out for the first time this week. And for those who know Bayview well, the first two holes of the original rotation are par fives. Now they're number 10 and number 11. Four and to five. Yes, correct. And now for me, um, the first time doing and playing the new rotation, I did happen to go eagle birdie (laughs) on those uh, two holes. The players I was playing with, they were not very happy with me because my handicap should have been a little lower. Of course, I made some bogeys and doubles coming in down the stretch. (laughs) But uh, really enjoying this new process. And to everyone, please keep an open mind about this. Okay, TV this Wednesday, 1 p.m. TSN 4. We'll recap Monet Chun's performance at the yes. U.S. Women's Amateur, the significance of making it this far, and also what's next because she's going to be playing at the CP Women's Open, the U.S. Women's Open as well next year, and just the significance of making it as far as she did, the fourth ever Canadian to make the final, which was an awesome performance. We'll also hear, like I mentioned, from Ryan Girard, who won the Quebec Open on PGA Tour Canada, and we'll have a full preview of the BMW Championship where, as of right now, Bob, there are four Canadians still in the mix to have a chance to win the FedEx Cup. It would be kind of cool to see them uh, put up, and I know there's a lot on the line we were talking about earlier. They've got some, uh, some this is essentially, if they don't make it to the top 30, this is their last chance to get some President's Cup points on the board. Um, so we're going to, they're going to announce the, the captain's picks on August 29th, right after the, the Monday after the uh, FedEx Cup winds up. So uh, I know I know for all four of those guys, well, certainly for the top three in Hadwin, Hughes, and Connors, this has been a big thing on their to-do list. 
and they've really been uh, trying to make this and, and live up to their goals and see, we'll see what happens. And there's so much that comes from just making the Tour Championship too. Yeah. So it, it would be uh, it'd be awesome to, to see them go on. And we, we've seen some Canadians playing in the Tour Championship in, in years past, you know, Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes most notably. So let's see, let's see one or two Canadians, maybe all four of them. Let, let's see what they can do this week at the BMW Championship. But again, we're back TSN4 Wednesday at 1 p.m. We'll also, that's when our giveaway starts our grand prize Woo-hoo. giveaway a trip for two to casa de campo as well as a full set of tailor-made golf clubs our grand prize is valued at over ten thousand dollars amazing you just love to see that bob thanks for a great show today as always adam thank you we will see you wednesday at 1 p.m on tsn4 thanks to everyone for listening thanks to everyone for watching and remember the first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.